This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Amen. So tonight we're going to continue on understanding spiritual warfare. And my part of this is uh, prayer. So my, my teaching will be on the importance of prayer. So let's go ahead and let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to just start off reading some verses that we've been reading the last few weeks. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 10 and tonight we're going to read through 18. So it says uh, verse 10, Ephesians 6 and 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So, We've been talking about understanding spiritual warfare for months now. Um, what, what preceded that was teaching on the Holy Spirit. And if you, if you have put it together, you realize that you had to understand the teaching of the Holy Spirit to flow into understanding spiritual warfare. It's all the same message, people. It just, we just give it, it's just given in chunks because we can't sit here that long and, and teach. So tonight we want to look at prayer. First thing I want to talk about though is verse 10. There it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Notice that we're supposed to be strong in the Lord, not in ourselves. Now, we are to be strong. We're not to be weak. But our strength and our power and our might comes from God. So, we have to make sure that we are always relying on the power of God, when we, whatever we do. Let's read, we're going to focus on, my section here is going to focus on verse six, uh, verse 18. So let's read verse 18. It says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So the goal of this teaching tonight or my teaching is to explain the importance of prayer and spiritual warfare and learn how to use prayer effectively. So what, what I'm planning on doing, usually, you know, I got, give you guys a goal and then I give you some objectives and kind of go through that. This time what I'm going to do is we're just going to break down this verse. We're just going to look at this verse. And I know you're like, Sister Castillo, that's just a few words. But, but let me tell you, we're going to look at this verse. We're going to look at it in depth. And we're going to learn the importance of prayer in spiritual warfare. And we're going to learn how to pray effectively. Because it's one thing to just say some words and have an, a posture of prayer. But it's another thing to have an effective prayer life. So, what we're looking at is verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So, what we have to understand is our warfare is spiritual. So, we need spiritual protection. We need spiritual guidance. We need spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear. We see with our natural eyes, we hear with our natural ears, but... Our warfare is spiritual. So that's only not, that's not going to give us what we need to be effective. So we can't allow our natural senses to lead us or try to protect us in this spiritual warfare. We're going to come up lacking. Um, uh, what was it? Not last Sunday, but Sunday before last. We had some great, outstanding teaching by our next generation sisters on prayer. And that was one of the things I believe Sister Kelly said. She said, if you come Within the spiritual warfare, with your natural weapons, you're, you're out of pocket. And prayer is a spiritual weapon that we have that we can use. So we have to make sure that we seek God in prayer. And that's how we're going to stay in the spirit. That's how we're going to stay in the right vein. That's how, we can, that's how we can be effective. That's how we can 
stay strong in the Lord. Now there are a few things I'm just going to talk about just to make sure we're all in the right place here. Prayer is communication with God. It's part of our communion with God. It's part of our fellowship with God. Prayer is to God. Okay? I don't pray to a statue. I don't pray to what, what? I don't pray to Virgin Mary. Any of those things, we pray to God. And although the words we speak and the sounds that we utter, they may be natural, but they come from our born again spirit. So prayer is spiritual. We know that our flesh, we can't communicate with God with our flesh. So any communication we have with God has to come from our spirit man. Prayer is the energy that enables us to wear the armor properly and wield the sword. So, you know, I was thinking about this and, and, you know, I was just listening to the teachings on the armor and and I was thinking about the different pieces. And I was trying to think, okay, so so what, what is that about? So, you know, like you can have a helmet, but if you put a helmet on your hand, it's ineffective. You can have a shield, but if the shield is on the ground... And you walking on it or sliding on it. You know, people slide down, you know, on the ice and trying to be, the, the shield is ineffective. You can have a sword, but if you don't know how to use it, you're going to get beat. So we need prayer to show us how to use these spiritual weapons that we have. We cannot do these things without the power of God. And we release the power of God through prayer. It's the energy that we have to wear the armor properly and wield the sword. Prayer also releases the power of God in our situations and our cares. When you when you think about that, that God is all powerful, and that when we pray to Him, it releases that power. Think about what what a great opportunity we have in prayer. What a great tool God has given us. What a great weapon God has given us. But sometimes I think we take prayer for granted. Or we, we don't really um, use it to its fullest. That's why I said we want to learn how to use prayer effectively. Prayer is also a work or it's a labor. Because it brings to pass the desire of God for in the earth for you and for other people. If you look in verse, um, back in verse 18, it says with all perseverance. That means to keep going, not to stop. So prayer is labor. We don't stop in our prayers. We continue in our prayers. Prayer is preparation for God's work. It's God's work, so he's going to give us instruction, so we have to communicate with him to get that instruction. So we have to make sure we have the proper attitude and the proper mindset when it comes to prayer. So those are just some things I'm going to say. We're going to just kind of set the stage about prayer. And now we're going to talk about praying always. So that first verse there, um, 18, first part says praying always. So you look at the word always, and you're like, that means all the time, right? So if we're supposed to be praying always, right now I'm here, am I praying? No, I'm not. Are you, are you praying? You might be praying a little bit under your breath, like, Lord, hurry up, tell him, hurry up. Me <laughs> not. But anyway, that, that's not exactly what that always means. It means perpetually, in a way that never ends or changes. It's continually, consistently, habitually, never without constant open contact. I think those are my words, that part. Never without constant open contact. The other ones I found, I looked in some different places, and these were perpetually, all those other ones. But that's why when I read those, I thought, that's never without constant open contact. So our prayers are to be perpetual. That's in a way that never ends or changes. It's continual. It's consistent. It's habitual. And we're never without constant open contact with God. That's who our prayers are to, is with God. So, when we say that, prayer is supposed to have a fixed position in our lives. So when we look at that perpetually, in a way that never ends or changes, that means that no matter what is going on in our lives, we are to pray. No matter what the situation is, we are to pray. No matter what endeavor we are undertaking, we are to pray. It's supposed to be fixed in our lives. You know, when you think of a thing that is fixed, that is, that is set. Um, okay, here's, here's an example. Like the Statue of Liberty. Statue of Liberty is fixed in that place. It, it is not going to move. Better, better yet, let's say a mountain. Because that's something that's really, you know, a, a really big mountain. What's the one that I was talking Mount Everest. Mount Everest is fixed. That's the way prayer is supposed to be in our lives. There shouldn't be anything that moves prayer from our lives. Now, we may change, but guess what? Prayer is still in that fixed 
center of our lives. So prayer should never move. Prayer should be at the heart and the center of everything we do. If it's not, you're not, you're not in, always in constant contact with him. So we always have to remember, prayer, fixed, always is continuous, habitual. It's your habit. You know, you think about the things you do on a daily basis. Think about when you wake up in the morning. Most of us have habits that we always do. There are certain things you do when you wake up in the morning. That's the way prayer should be. Prayer, prayer, should, just, prayer should be like breathing. Like I have to do it. Not only do I have to do it, but I get to do it. Go over to John chapter 15. So John chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 4. We're going to read verse 7 to verse 7. John 4 says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. So, verse 7 is really what I want to, want to focus on, but I want to give you a little prelude in there. We have to abide in the vine, which is Christ. And if we ask what we will, if we abide in him, and his words abide in us, we can ask what we, what we will, and it will be done. So, when we go to God in prayer, when we ask, He's going to do it. There's, he, he already told you right there. There's an expectation that he already said. You ask, I'm going to do it. So prayer is power with God. It releases the power of God in your cares and your situations. So therefore, when we pray, our prayers should be useful. They should be purposeful. They should be beneficial. Now, the reason I say that is that we don't need to, like I was talking earlier about opportunities, when we pray, we don't need to have wasteful prayers. Does that make sense to you? I want to try to explain it to you. Let me think of a good way to explain it. If whatever you ask God, if you abide in Him and He abides in you, when you go to Him in prayer, we got to be praying according to His purpose and His will. We have to be seeking Him out. We're not going to... Here's a good example. I don't have to pray and ask God if I need to come to service. That's not, that's not purposeful. It's in the, in the Word, right? Better yet, y'all ask that because they're like, yeah, we know that. I don't have to pray and ask God if I have to come to the Women of Covenant Fellowship. It's not at the church. We're just going to eat. I don't have to pray and ask God if I'm going to the Women of Covenant Fellowship. Because the, the Word says, forsake not the assembly of yourselves, right? So that's... We have to be on purpose. We have to look for what God is doing, not what we are doing. So when we're looking at spiritual warfare and, and everything that we've looked at in spiritual warfare and this that we're talking about tonight, this is not about what you are doing. This is about what God is doing and what you are doing in his will. So if you're, you're thinking that this, this lesson is going to start teaching you how to pray and get you a house, get you a better job, um, change your marriage, get you a husband, whatever. Let me tell you, you, this, you, you're in the wrong room. You're in the wrong room. Now you can change your mind real quick and flip, flip the switch and get in the right lane, because we're talking about getting the word and the will of God accomplished in the world, in in this earth. That's what this is about. This is not about all those other things that we think about. It is not that God doesn't care about those things. He does. But what He's telling us, especially here at Church of Living Water, is that is not your priority. My will is your priority. Get on that first. Get on that. Make that happen. When you're praying, pray, pray purposefully. Pray for the benefit of the kingdom. And then later on, once you get your head right, we can talk about these other things. But we have to make sure that when we pray, that we're, we're praying the will of God. That we're not just being out there doing, doing silly stuff. So one of the critical components of prayer is trust in God and faith in Him. So when we go to God, 
Prayer releases the power of God, right? So if I'm going to God asking him for something, it must be something that I don't have, right? Must be something that I don't have the power to get. Must be something that he said, or at least I should, believe that he's going to give that to me. I have to have faith that God is going to give it to me. I have to have faith when I go to God. If not, I'm just talking. I'm just wishing. So we have to have faith in God. We have to trust him. And when we have trust in God, there comes an expectation. So in our prayers, there should be an expectation that the answer is going to come. So here, here's a good example. So we, we come to corporate prayer on Saturday and we pray, right? We all come to corporate prayer on Saturday. If we don't, come on Saturday and guess what? You'll be we next week. So when we pray, we pray for, we pray for our nation. We pray for our pastor. We pray for our ministers. We pray for our children. We pray for people who are in this ministry. We pray for people who used to be in this ministry that they get wherever they're going to be. They're supposed to be. So when we think, see these come, things come to pass, we shouldn't be surprised. Why are we surprised when we see somebody who was not coming to service and now they're coming to service and they are excited about the Word of God and they're committed? Why are we excited? We should be happy. We, we should be excited, but we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised because guess what? We prayed for it. Did you not expect God to do it? Were you just like, oh, I'm just going to come to prayer on Saturday. I like hanging out with all these people. I like to say these words. No, when we pray, we go with an expectancy that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. Right? Go back over there to verse 7 in John chapter 15. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done. So, when we pray, we have faith. That faith gives us an expectation. So, if if when something that you pray for happens, if you are surprised, check your faith. Did you, did you think God was going to, were you just wishing that God would do that? Or did you really have faith that he was going to do it? Because if you have faith that he's going to do it, you're expecting to see it. You don't know when because you don't know God's timing, but you are expecting to see that to happen. So, let's go over to 2 Kings. And we're going to look at something. And, and this whole thing, uh, 2 Kings chapter 13, and it's going to look like what I'm going to read, you're going to think I'm just kind of, taking a detour but I'm really not taking a detour it's going to all kind of come out in you uh, in the middle of here it's going to jail so 2 Kings chapter 13 2 Kings chapter 13 now I'm going to read verses 14 through 19 and um, this whole this whole encounter, there's some things that are going to happen, but the whole thing is, is basically symbolic. So let's go through Second um, Kings chapter 13, verse 14. It said, Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows, and he took unto them, unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it, and Elisha put his hand upon the king's hand. And he said, Open the window eastward, and he opened it. So he, Elisha told the king to open the window. The king opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. So the king shot. And he said, this is Elisha saying, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance, excuse me, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou, thou have come, consumed them. And he said, so this is Elisha again, take the arrows, and he took them, the king took the arrows, and he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground, and he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him, and said, Thou should have smitten five or six times. Then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou hadst consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. So here's this encounter. The king um, of Israel goes to see Elisha. And Elisha's uh, sick. And Elisha tells him to do something. He says, Okay, I want you to take this bow and this arrow. And I want you to shoot this over the window. And I want you to shoot it eastward. So the king does that. 
So then Elisha says, okay, let me tell you what this is. He, he gives them the meaning of it. So what the, the bow and arrow meant was the strength and the victory of God that God was going to give them. So by taking the bow and the arrow in his hand, the king was symbolically becoming the agent of God's power. So basically God said, I'm going to do this. So he, Elisha explains that to him. So he understands before the second part of this that God is doing something symbolic. And he's basically saying, I'm going to give you the divine power to get done what you need to get done. So then Elisha says, okay. Pick up the, the arrows again and smite them. And it's a lot of different things. Some people said he shot him. Some people said he hit him on the ground. But just know, they said do it. So he did three times. One, two, three. So you think, well, hey, great. So, but Elisha's like, what? You did that three times? God just told you as many times as you did it. Basically, that was how much he was going to, the, the victory he was going to give you. So Joash said one two, three, and said, oh, I'm good. I'm good with that. That's fine. That's all I need. But Elisha was like, God was willing to do whatever you did. And there you are, and all you did was three times. So, you know, it doesn't really tell you why Joash did this, but you can kind of see that he's trusting God, but he's really not trusting God. For whatever reason, maybe he thought, you know, God saw my heart. He saw the stuff that I did. Is he really willing to do this for me? You know, maybe maybe I should just do three. I shouldn't really ask for what I want. But 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 what he did, it, it shows that he really didn't trust God fully. It also shows that he limited God. He limited God. We have a limitless God. And at that point, he limited God. So that's why Elisha was like, "What? What did you just do? Why would you not do this?" He said five or six times. How many arrows did you have? You should have went out and borrowed some arrows to do all this. But Joash in his mind was just like, well, I thought three was enough. I, I didn't really think about it like that. And sometimes that's what we do. We have a limitless God, but we put limitations on it. We come in and we think because of our past or because of what we have or what we don't have, we think God is not going to use us. So we come in and, and or we have some situations and we think the situations happen because of something we did. And we don't feel like we can talk to God about that. We don't feel like we can go to God with that. So we limit God in our situations and things that he wanted to demolish in our lives are still there because we didn't go to him like we should have. And that's the lack of trust and that's the lack of faith that we, that we, we think is okay because we came to God. God, I pray and I talk to you and I come to prayer and I do all these things, but there's still just these other things that you're holding on to that you don't think God's willing to help you with. But we can't do that. Like I said, God is limitless. But our lack of trust and our lack of faith in him limits him. You have to understand, I think Sister Hill said something, you don't know what God is ta- where God is taking his ministry. And guess what? If he's taking church of living water, he's taking you. You're in here. So it's not like whatever God is going to do, he's just wanting you to be a spectator. He's saying, okay, you take the bow, shoot it. How many you got? Do that. Do that. Trust God and see him work. So with that said, we can't use prayer as a last resort. We can't just, you know, sit around and try to, try to, oh, oh, well, God, you know, I don't want to really bother you and ask you about that because I know you're so busy and, you know, you over there, you're taking care of these world problems and people over there hungry and there was an earthquake. That's really what you're doing. You know, you're thinking, Sister Cassia, that's you being silly. Okay. But when you don't go to God with those things, that you're limiting him. You're using him as your last resort. You're trying everything else, and then you say, well, now I'll go to God. So we shouldn't limit God and limit ourselves to praying when we just have emergencies or challenges because that's not, that's not effective. The thing about it is the emergencies and the challenges that you're having probably had you started praying earlier. You'd already know how to handle those things. You'd be ready to walk through those things versus stopping and, oh my gosh, you know, kind of being scared of flailing because God would have prepared your hearts for that. So we have to have faith. We have to believe that God is who he says he is. 
And he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Not only in my life, in your life, but in the lives of others. We have to, be, we have to remember that. When we pray that, if, if you don't think that, why are you praying? Then you're just, you're just saying an incantation. You're just, just, just mouthing words. We can't take prayer for granted. So in praying always, I said it's constant contact. With continual, constant contact with God. How can we always pray? We always have to make sure that we are in proper alignment. We have to be mindful that we are in proper alignment as far as our relationship to God and our relationship with God. So what do I mean by that? those two things? Our relationship to God is who we are in comparison to God. Our relationship with God is who we are to God. So, first we're going to talk about our relationship to God. and that's, that's like the comparison, who we are in relationship to God. God is the creator. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. You can't even just say all-knowing. He's, he's knowing. He's alpha. He's omega. We're not. God's not our servant. We're his servant. Like I said earlier, God is limitless. We are limited. So when we go to God in prayer, that we always have to be mindful of. Go over to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, we're going to start at verse 21 through 26. I was reading this and I was thinking, you know, how would we say this nowadays? This this verse 21 said, have you not known? Have you not heard? Like, didn't you know? Hadn't you heard about this? So have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he, and that is God, that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. And the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out the heavens as the curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in, that bringeth the princes to nothing, he maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted, yea, they shall not be sown, yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth, and he shall, he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither. And the whirlwind shall take them away as the stubble. To whom then will ye liken me? Or who shall be my equal? Saith the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and behold who hath created these things. That bringeth out their host by the number he calleth them. Them all by names by the greatness of his might. For that he is strong in power. Not one faileth. So. Just right there, that just, just kind of gives you a glimpse of who God is, right? It says, how can, who are you going to compare to him? The inhabitants of the earth, that would be us, or as grasshoppers. So, who is like our God? Who, who, he's the creator. So, when we pray, we don't go to God as his equal. We don't even... And, and you think, well, Sister Kazir, that is basic information. We teach that to uh, Hannah. But there are some times that we, we may not say that with our mouths, but our attitudes do that. So here's the thing. We don't go to God and vent and then go do our own thing. So I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about this situation at work. Um. There's this guy I work with, and he's, he's kind of a newer guy. He, he's younger, and he hadn't been doing the job very long. And he was in this situation. It was not a good situation. Like, he was, um, he needed some decisions to be made. And his, he couldn't go further until the decisions were made. So the person he was talking to couldn't make the decision, so they had to go talk to their boss and their boss's boss. So that person had kind of pushed it up, but the boss's boss and the boss were just kind of, being lackadaisical about it. So some weeks went by and the, the, the guy, the younger guy I worked with was a little frustrated. So he's, I heard him over there typing. He's typing away, typing this email. 
So he calls this other lady over, and she, she's, she's more of a senior person, uh, not necessarily his boss, but somebody who would give him counsel. And he said, read this email. And he, she, he, she read it, and it was to, like, my boss or his boss, his boss's boss, all the bosses. And it was not worded properly. You know, not something that you down, you low, low on the totem pole. You don't talk to these people like this, you know. So he said, will you read this email? So she was reading it, and she said, well, you know, you probably want to, boom, he hit the send button. Yeah, so he hit the send button. And she was like, okay. Exactly. So now, now, I mean, it was on after that. I mean, let me tell you, it was on. It's still on. That was months ago. He's still reaping the benefits of that. But I give you that example to say that's what we do with God. We come in. And you know what? At Church Living Water, we are taught very well. We are taught very well. So we, you remember we did that whole long teaching of prayer. So we got all the prayers. We got all the scripture. We got it lined out. We done studied it out in the Strong's. We done read it in the thing. We know all about it. We got it written down. We got it saved everywhere. We know the words to pray. So we come in and we pray. And then we say, God, thank you. You are faithful. And we wait a day. And then we go do what we want to do. So basically what you did was you just came to God to vent, right? You acted like, well, God, let me tell you what's going on. And I know you're all powerful. And you said, God, you want every man to be saved. And so I'm praying and da 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 And then you want this to happen and that to happen. And I see it in your word. And you say it in the scripture. You got the Greek. But then you go in. You go to God with that. And you don't wait on his answer. You don't wait for him to tell you what to do. You just go act. You just go act. You just do what you want to do. That is acting like you're God. So why are you even going to God if you're going to do what you want to do? You can say it at time and just go and do what you want to do. But the thing about it is, you're gonna, when you do that, you'll say, you'll put it under the guise of, well, I talked to God about it, so it has to be right. No, no, it's not going to be right. Because God didn't tell you to do that. You told yourself to do it, and to make yourself feel better, you, you, you quoted some scripture, you bowed your head, and, and maybe, maybe you, maybe it was here on Saturday morning, but whatever you did, you said it was prayer. You put it in a prayer box, like a, a gift bag. You acted like it was gift, but it was nothing. So that's how we do when we, we act like we're equal to God. We go to God, we tell Him all these things in prayer, we have the posture of prayer, but our heart is not praying. Our heart has already decided what we're gonna do, and we just wanna wrap it around something religious so we feel better about it. So in the attitude of prayer, we have to understand and accept. It's one thing to understand something. Like, like you know, I'm not real big on like science and all that stuff. So like I, I understand that gravity, what goes up must come down. Well, here's, I accept it because if I jump up, I'm going to come down. So in prayer, we have to understand and accept. That means in my heart, I have to accept it. I can't act like anything different. That's what I mean by accept. It means not only to know it, to have wisdom or knowledge of it, but also have wisdom on it, how to act on that. So I have to understand and accept that I don't know anything. It's it's a humbling experience, but it's a freeing experience. That song, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms, that means you're safe and secure. Just, Just lean on him. Just let it go. And I think it lay my burden down. Lay the burden down of being smart or knowing something. Just say, God, I don't know. Because he knows. You don't have to. So if he does, he's going to give you what you need. So God knows. He understands. He sees. And that's the reason you're praying. You don't have to go. You have to go to God in humility. That's the thing. When you can let go of all your pride and your self-importance, then you can go to God humbly like a child. And you can just ask. And you can say, God, you know, here it is. I don't know. God, I don't know. I thought I knew. And I would, I would like to say I'm that smart, but I'm not. And you know what? God is like, that's, that's what I need you to do. Now, well, I can work. So prayer always springs out a sense of need. So once again, we're going, we're going to God because we need him. And we believe that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Go over to Hebrews chapter 11.
So Hebrews chapter 11, we're just going to read verse 6. says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So when we come to God, we come in faith, and we, we believe that he is who he is. We are not God. We, we acknowledge that, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we're going to diligently seek him because he said, he said what he's going to do. We, know, we believe who he is. So when we don't recognize our relationship to God, we'll be arrogant and we'll be prideful. Now, once again, you, you have to check your heart on these things. You may come in here and you may be the sweetest person and yes ma'am, no sir, whatever to everybody and it doesn't seem like you're arrogant and prideful but arrogance and pride, that starts in your heart. So if you're going around, you're going to God and you're, 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 once again, you're going through the motions, the posture, prayer but then you're doing everything that you want to do, that's arrogant, that's prideful. You're not doing what God is saying doing, you're, you're not humble. You're saying you're equal to God. Actually, I don't even know. You're just saying maybe you're above God. You're like, hey, I'm doing my thing, God. You, you jump in with me. That, when you do that, that's what you're, when you do that, that's how you're saying it. Like, God, this is my program. I need you to get in and help me get my will accomplished because it's my will that I'm concerned about. Because I'm doing this right now. So when we pray and we go and act on our, without, when we pray, no, I'm not even going to say, when we have the posture of prayer, without the attitude of prayer, that without humility, without a longing for God, then that's what we're saying. We're saying that we're God and He's just our servant. The thing about it is God's not sharing His glory. So you can think whatever you want to, but that's not happening. So prayer shows that I have a reliance and a dependence on God. When I pray, it shows that I'm insufficient, but God is sufficient. All my needs are in Him. It acknowledges my lack and my limitations while acknowledging God's sufficiency and His limitless ability and power. So when I, go, when I pray, that's the attitude I have. Once again, I'm coming limited. I'm coming insufficient. But I'm coming to God who is limitless, who is sufficient. So I like once again, I don't have to come in pride, I don't have to come in arrogance, I don't have to come trying to be something that I'm not, because God is what I need. He's who I'm coming to. So that's our relationship to God. Our relationship with God is our position or our alignment with God. Go over to Romans chapter eight. Now I'm really talking about praying always, because if you don't have these things in place, you cannot pray always. Remember, continually, you have, you have to be in the proper position so you can have that constant contact with God. So Romans chapter 8, we're going to read verses 14 through 17. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So flip over to Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to read, first we're going to read Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 6. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we have had our conversations in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. 
by grace ye are saved, and have, ri- have raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So skip down to verse 18. We're going to read verse 18 through 22 in the same um, chapter. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye are also built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. So these two passages of scripture that we looked at, we looked at our state before being born again and our state now. It tells us who we are now. So we are no longer foreigners away from God, but we've now been brought close to him. In uh, Romans 8 it says, we call him father. We are his son. He's our father. We've been placed or we've been adopted in the family of, of God. Through the Spirit. We're, uh, his dwelling place. I like that in verse 22. It says, In whom you are built together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit. So we're his dwelling place. Through the Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, you think about that. Think about that. You know, like tomorrow you're going to be driving in your car. And you're going to think about it like, that's amazing. That is amazing. So, now... Remember in John 15 we talked about abiding? So we, we abide in Him. He's our dwelling place. If we ask what we will, He'll give it to us. And God doesn't change. He is who He is. His position and His alignment is fixed. But our position and our alignment changed. We weren't always sons of God. We weren't always this holy habitation. We had to be adopted in once we were born again. So, although we have the capacity to always be in proper alignment and position with God, sometimes we are not. If we're not in proper position, if we're not abiding, then our asking, we can ask, but our, the condition that in asking has not been fulfilled. Go over to Psalms chapter 66. So just remember, in our relationship with God, He's fixed. Our placement can change. His cannot. He's God. Remember, we just talked about who we are in comparison to Him. Remember, He's God. He's the greater, we're the lesser. So we have to abide in Him. So let's look at uh, Psalms chapter 66. We're going to read verses. um, Let's read verse 16 through 19. I just like 16. Come and hear, all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily God hath heard me, and he attended to the voice of my prayer. So the scripture just told you right there. So if you have regard iniquity in your heart, God won't hear you. So, so what is iniquity? So I looked it up. We kind of know what it is, but I don't want to take anything for granted. It's wickedness. It's vanity. It's sin. And it says if we regard it in our heart, if we have sin in our heart, if that's something we know we're, we're doing and we're just going to hold on to it, God's not hearing that prayer. That attitude, we just talked about that attitude of thinking that you know best, not having that arrogant attitude. If you know when you have an arrogant attitude, you know you do. Now, come on. God's not hearing that. When you have sin in your heart, you can say all the right words. You can have the correct physical uh, posture. You can, like I said, you can have all the scriptures lined out, but God's not hearing that prayer. If you have sin, you have resentment, rebellion, selfishness, all those things in your heart, God's not hearing that. And you know, you think about rebellion and you think about big stuff. I'm talking about little stuff. You know, little stuff, just um, don't don't bring drinks into the sanctuary. 
and you got a big gulp in here. You know, well, you know, I put it in my purse, Sister Castile, and I zip my purse. Rebellion. And, and you're wondering why God's not hearing your prayer. Sometimes, sometimes it's just little things that maybe you need to check out. Because it just said here, there's iniquity in your heart. God's not hearing you. Go over to Isaiah 59. Isaiah chapter 59, we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity, and your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perverseness. None calls for justice, nor any plead of truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. So the thing about it is, you know, God is still God. God is who he said he is. He's doing what he said he's going to do. But you're not seeing the power of God in your life. Maybe you need to check your heart. His strength hadn't been diminished, but that attitude, that heart that you have, it is, it, it's limiting him because he can't work with that. You know, I, I keep thinking about the things that, that we're hearing as, as we're being taught, the things that we're hearing throughout. And you keep hearing about your heart. You keep hearing about the things that we're harboring, the things that we're holding on to, and we just really have to let God deal with those things. The thing about it is, We have to make sure that we're always in proper alignment. So with that said is we can't sit around and think that, that we don't have any sin. That we don't have things that God is not working on, wants us to work on. When we, when we believe that, that goes back to being arrogant. That goes back to being prideful. That goes to being puffed up. All of us are works in progress. We're striving for perfection. We haven't reached there. The thing about it is you have to keep striving. You have, you have not attained None of us have attained. God is still telling all of us something to work on. So that's what he's saying. You look in your heart. I'm telling you to do this. I'm telling you to do that. And you're turning a deaf ear to me because you think all the other things that you've done well, I'm, not, I'm fine with. But God is saying, no, I need you to check your heart. Because there, there's some stuff in there that I need you to, to handle that you need to get with me about. That's what he's asking us to do. He's saying, humble yourselves. Come to me and let's talk about these things. Because your heart and your attitude, they move you out of that alignment. They, they take you back to the place where you once were. Yeah, maybe you're not doing the things that you did before you were born again, but your heart is that same heart. You have that same heart of disobedience. You have that same heart of rebellion. You're going to do what you're going to do. you got all that hatred in your heart. You know, I, I was driving here, and this guy was in front of me, and he was just going really slow, and he like... Like we were trying to go through a yellow light. He stopped under the yellow light. And I was just like, oh, God. And I couldn't say nothing because I said, what if that man's going to church? What if he's coming to our church tonight? Now, years ago, I would have been like, dude, I might have rolled my window down. But like, why would you do that? But... That, that heart is there. That heart, you can always go back to that heart. Now, I could have, I could have let that go. In my heart, I could have still been mad at him when I drove up here. But the thing about it is we always have to check our hearts. And that's what I remember. I came back to, came back to the teaching of like, you, how you acting in traffic? And I said, there it is right there, God. Okay. I see what you're talking to me about. And it's just those things that we always have to be mindful of. We can't assume that, you know, you're not an adulterer. You're not a fornicator. You're not stealing. You're not doing any of those things. But there, there may be some things that God wants to talk to you about. He may want you to pull aside and say, let's look at this. Let's look at this because right now I can't hear you because you got this sin. you got this rebellion. you got this resentment, this selfishness in your heart. So we have to make sure that we're in proper position and alignment with God. And we can't have any of that. We can't have any of that. Go to... Um, 
Psalms chapter 51. So we always have to check our heart and we always have to check our motive. And you know, we're always right in our own eyes. You know, like, you know, just that example I gave. I was right. I would have been right to tell that man, dude, you cannot slow down under a yellow light when people are behind me. I'm going to get hit. In my mind, that's right to do. Because I can always justify it. So when I'm looking, checking my heart and I'm checking my motives, I'm not using my standard. I'm not using the world's standard. I'm using God's standard. So we have to go to God. So Psalms 51, we're going to read verses uh, 1 through um, 7. It says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with the hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Really what I wanted to get to was that 6 and 7. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. We're really concerned about the outward parts. I think, I think in the New Testament it talks about that. The outside is beautiful, but the inside is death. God wants truth in the inward parts. So, you know, these things that you have to deal with, you've got to talk to God about. You've got to talk to God and you've got to clear it up. You've got to say, God, show me what I need to do. Show me what I need to do and how I need to do it. Because my heart, I can't have any iniquity in my heart when I come to you. I can't have anything that is unclean according to your eyes when I come to you. Because if, if not, I'm out of alignment with you. I'm no longer abiding in you. And I need to abide in you because what, what did we say earlier? God is sufficient. I am not. When I'm outside of God, when I'm not in proper alignment, I am totally lacking. So I have to make sure that I'm always in proper alignment with God. Go over to 1 John chapter uh, 1. 1 John chapter 1, we're going to look at... Uh, verses 7 through 9. But if ye walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, I like that because, you know, I like verse 8. So, if we say we have no sin, like you read verse 51, you're like, well, God, I'm cool. I'm fine. God, we are good. Oh, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So, if we confess our sins, when we looked over in um, Psalm 66, and I believe it was verse, uh, verse 18, when it says iniquity, that's that unconfessed sin. That's that little thing that you keep hiding. That little thing that you keep hiding, you think you're hiding from God. It's the thing that you keep pushing under the cover, that you keep pushing down, that you don't want to deal with. And God is saying, but I see it. I'm asking you to confess and we can work this out. But you're like, God, I kind of want to hold on to it because I like it. That's my pet sin. I'm going to keep that with me. But God is saying, no. Why don't you just confess that to me? And then we can work this out. And you won't have that iniquity in your heart anymore. So God is saying to us, let, let's, let's, get, let's be cleaned up because I've already cleansed you. I've already washed you. Let me continue to wash you with the word so that you can stay in proper alignment with me and you can always pray. So remember, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about always praying. If you are out of proper alignment with God, go back over to John chapter um, 15. If you are out of proper alignment, if you don't abide, then guess what? When you, you can ask. But you're not abiding. Let me get to John 15. Hold on a second. 
So John 15, um, we just read 7 and 8 then. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so ye shall be my disciples. So, we have to be in proper alignment with God. So that's why we have to make sure that those things are in place. We, we can't think that what God is doing, God is working in us continually. So, we can't assume that where we started out is where, he, where we're going to be at the end. This is a process. This is a walk. So he's sanctifying with his, us with his word. You know, we've, we've learned that. There are things that are going to come up as you learn. You Think about it. Think about when you first became a Christian. And think about where you are now. Think about what you thought even three years ago. The things that God has dealt with you. Now that's if you're growing. Now if you're not growing, then you're probably in the same boat. So maybe, maybe take a look at that. But God, God is working some things out. So we have to abide in him. When we abide in him, we can ask what we will. That's how we can always pray. If you're out of alignment, so think of always. When I said it was habitual, it was continual, it's in a fixed state. Always. If I say, I need you to, here's a good one. So we're talking about spiritual warfare. You know, soldiers, they're always ready when it's time for battle. Even before the battle begins, they get ready. If, if somebody attacks, they can jump up and go. They are ready. That's the way we ought, should be with prayer. That's how we can always pray. If we're out of proper alignment with God, before you can pray, you've got to get back in line. And then you're like, oh, well, they don't they sack, sack the city. Because we were out of place. You can't always pray if you're not in the proper alignment with God. You can't always pray if you think you're God. So that's why we looked at that, our relationship to God and our relationship with God. If those things aren't right, then you can't always pray because you're not in the position to always pray. Always, constant, habitually. So if something happens in your life or if something comes up and it's time to pray, you're wondering, is God going to hear me? Remember I talked about faith and trust? You're wondering, is God going to hear me? Is God going to hear me because the other day I said some crazy stuff to somebody and I haven't repented? Is God going to hear me because I got a bad attitude? I can't always pray if I'm not in proper alignment. I can't, always, I can't be ready if I'm not where I'm supposed to be. If I think, you know, we'll, we'll go back to the, the um, idea of warfare. If I think that I'm the general calling the shots and I'm really a foot soldier, I can't be ready. I can't be ready. I'm over there trying to, to do the, I don't know much about warfare, but as far as normal warfare, but I'm over there trying to map out the uh, uh, attack strategy and I'm supposed to be putting on my shoes or doing my drills. That's why we always have to be in proper alignment with God. We have to know who we are to God and we have to know in relationship to God that he's the creator, that he's all power all powerful and then we have to remember that we are to always stay in proper alignment with God. We have to make sure that our hearts are right. That our motives are pure. That we're not outside of what he's calling us to be. Amen? So let's go. We're going to talk about just one more thing and then we're going to finish up. So when I have, proper, when I have the proper attitude towards prayer, my relationship and my relationship to God and with God I'll always be able to be in constant communication with prayer. Like I said, you'll be ready. You'll be instant. Because you won't have to worry about those other things because you're already, you're already in position. So, the next thing there, so Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to look at with all prayer and supplication. So, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So, we learned, we've had a lot of teaching on prayer, that there are many types of prayer. So when we go and we pray, we don't just pray one prayer. We just don't, you know, we have the prayer of thanksgiving. We have the prayer of worship. We have the prayer of consecration. Remember, we, we spent months teaching on prayer. So there are different types of prayer. And we use those prayers effectively. So we do, when we, uh, when we need them, we make use of them all. We need to have the proper prayer at the proper time. So we need to make sure that we're effective in the use of our prayers. So, this is just a little tip. If you don't know where to start, just start with thanksgiving. Just start thanking God. Just say, God, you are wonderful. 
You are faithful. Thank you for all you've done. Just worship him. Just, 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 just bow down. Just say, God, you're the creator. You're the alpha, the omega. Just start there. And then you still don't know, just start praying in the spirit. And God will guide you. God will lead you. Because we're praying with all prayers. So because this is spiritual warfare, our efforts have to be spiritual. So we, we, have to, we have to be mindful that we don't allow ourselves to. And this is, this is a good thing to say here. You know, we did get a lot of teaching on prayer. And we did see the different types of prayer. But we still don't rely on our own wisdom. See, remember verse 10 there says, Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We have to be led by the Spirit. We have to be led by the Spirit. We can't assume because we know some things, that we've been taught some things, that we can just say, Oh, well, yeah, I got that. This is a prayer. Pick it up and go. No, we need to listen. We need to sit and wait for God. Remember, we are not God. He is. So because, our, uh, because it's a spiritual warfare, our efforts must be spiritual. So when we pray, we have to pray in the Spirit. And I just don't mean praying in tongues. We need to pray that. But we also need to pray in line with the Spirit. We don't need to be jumping off doing, some, doing just ineffective prayers. Go to James chapter 4. I think, yeah, I think we're going in with this one. Yeah, and, and you know, I, you just, I'm going to just read James chapter 4. We won't. So James chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 1 through 10. It says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come, come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and ye receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. So when we pray, we have to make sure that we're not going to God with these Carnal, selfish prayers. You know, he says, uh, you ask amiss and you ask that you can consume it on your, your own lust. It's all about what you want. It's all about what you're trying to get. And you know, and, and I'm, I'm saying this and I know a lot of you go, Sister Castile, that's not, that's not how it is. You know, once again, you can guise it really good. You can make it really religious. You can say, well, God, this is how it should be and this is your will. But is that the will of God? What, what is your motivation behind that prayer? Is your motivation to have the will of God accomplished or do you want something out of it? So we have to let go of our carnal and our selfish prayers and align ourselves and our requests with God's will. We have to have effectual, fervent prayers. The thing is, the enemy is fine with you knowing the proper mechanics about prayer. He is fine with you knowing what to say, how to say it, but he's not fine with you consistently applying what you know and have an effective prayer life. He's not fine with you making sure your heart is pure and that you have the proper alignment with God and then going to God in a humble manner and asking God for his will. Now that's what he's not fine with. But now you can come in and you can have that, the, the big hardbound books and you can have all those things and you can say all the scriptures you want to, but if your heart is not right and you're not coming to God in the right way, then you're not having effective prayer. So we have to make sure that we are abiding in God and Him and Jesus so that God hears our prayers. 
We have to make sure that we have effective prayers. That's what we want to do. In, this, in, in spiritual warfare, we don't really have time to let things slide. We don't really have time to be behind. Because the thing about prayer is prayer is a weapon. Prayer is a weapon. It is a weapon that allows us to defend ourselves, but it's also a weapon of attack. So we're going to start talking about that next week. So with defense, so like, you know, you think about, let's think about football. With defense, you are stopping somebody from coming towards you. So prayer, we can stop, they're stopping them, the enemy. But it's also an offensive weapon. So we got to gain some ground, right? We got to, you know, we were translated from darkness to light. There are other people that need to be translated from darkness to light. There are other people who need to know this gospel. And prayer is how that's going to start. That's how, remember prayer is preparation for God's work? So not only is prayer defensive, but it's also offensive. And we have a great opportunity and we have a great, it it is amazing. Prayer is amazing to me. I, I was studying this and this is just amazing what God has given us in prayer. So let's be mindful of his word. Let's be mindful of who he is. And let's be mindful of who we are to him. And let's always, you know, let's always check that. Let's check that. Let's, let's, let's remember that God is God and that he's given us a great gift through salvation. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.